Episode 161, Hellabass Podcast. Further breakdown of Leech Lake, we have Brennan Berglund, 2023 Minnesota Bass Nation TOC state champion on the voter side, joins us to give us some of that little smallmouth juice. I think you guys will pick up a few nuggets. Enjoy the episode. This week, the Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. What's going on? Hellabass Live back on a Wednesday night. Presented by Arsenal Fishing, boosted by Powerhouse Lithium. It's good to be back on a normal night after taking uh last week was a long week fishing leech all week. Um it, it's tough to find a, a VRBO or Airbnb that has good enough Wi-Fi to pull off a stream. So and enough time between rigging and all that kind of stuff. So uh welcome, Brennan Berglund. What's going on? Uh, pretty good. Just kind of relaxing out here. Just got back from Leech a few days ago. Everything is starting to settle in a little bit, and uh, my phone's been blowing up. So thank you to everybody who's been reaching out and uh, wishing me luck at nationals. I appreciate all of you. So thank you. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Brennan uh, won the the Minnesota Bass Nation TOC. So in tradition of young guys, absolutely like kicking my butt. I just invite them on the stream and then try to learn from them. So hopefully to rectify the situation in the future and I get better. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, we were uh, acquaintances on social media, but I don't know that we've ever met in person that I'm aware of. Unless, uh, you know, something I don't, Brennan. Well, uh, hang on a second. All right. So, so what's that? You kind of, I kind of broke up a little bit. Yeah. I was just saying, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure we, although we've, uh, you know, been acquaintances on social media, I don't know that we've ever met or anything like that in person that Not I'm aware really. of. I think I, there's a lot of people actually that I know, just like everyone kind of knows you, watches your stream and that's a, uh, it's pretty sweet <laughs> to be able to come on here. Hello, best live. So I appreciate it. hundred yeah. percent. Well, you deserve it. You, uh, you had a heck of a tournament. So I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm familiar with Loon State, know quite a few people from Loon State over the years push Paul off sandbars, fish with people in your club before. Um, but uh, how long have you been, I guess, was this your, how many states have you fished? Was this your first state as a boater or what's your history in the state tournament? Um, this is my first uh, state tournament. I've been fishing with Loon State. This is my third year now. Uh, Cody Stearns actually got me into the club as a co my first year. And that's when I was still in mm-hmm. high school, just fishing like the high school trail, but being able to, be a boater now and fish the state tournament's unbelievable. So you just go out and just win it in your first try? <clears throat> I guess. It just it just kind of happened that way. I think uh if I recall, Jim Moyna won the first state tournament he ever fished. Oh really? Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. So you said you fished in high school. You fished for the where you went where did you go to high school in Zimmerman or where'd you go to school? I went to high school at Princeton. That's where I fished Princeton. high school. Okay. I feel like I had a decent high school team for the yeah we, we actually started the team so 
I started it my sophomore year, so I only got to fish it for three years, but it was a lot of fun. That's pretty much how I got into competitive bass fishing. So nice. Did your uh, you come from a fishing family, or how did you get into bass a fishing family? Nothing like tournament serious though, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, a few small derbies with my dad every once in a while, kind of flowered into you know fishing high school derbies with my some of my high school friends and then my other high school friends got into it and now we have a few kids on the team but yeah it was uh, it was awesome to start it very cool so you uh so you just kind of rolled into the adult club from the the high school team got yep. into loon state um uh, so you didn't you didn't go the college route, do any college fishing? Oh, actually, you're in college right now, are you? That's I'm right. in college. I, yeah. fish I was just like, wait, there's a there's a big Montevello wrap on your boat. No, that yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I fish with like Easton Fothergill, unbelievable angler. His college partner is Nick Dumkey. I fish with. I have, my partner is actually Blair Erickson. Um, Charlie Wright's on the team. Solomon Glenn, uh, a few other Minnesota people down there. So it's really awesome to be actually I leave for college on the 15th. So it's perfect timing. There you go. Yeah, unbelievable and anglers and guys down there. So I love it. Where's Montevello again? Uh, literally in the smack dab of Alabama. Just uh, okay. kind of a smaller town. 45 minutes. So that gives you the opportunity to fish the Coosa River and the TVA and all that stuff's pretty accessible then, I would imagine. Coosa sucks, but I mean, that's kind of our home lake. But yeah, that's where everybody will go out and after class and attempt to learn something or else everyone just goes to Gunnersville. That's where I like to go to. Sure. I actually, several years ago, uh, I've, I fished the regional in uh, Alabama, Gunnersville before they went, you know, they switched around. This was probably 2018, somewhere in there. I don't know, <clears throat> somewhere to, somewhere in there. Um, but I didn't make the day three cut there. So uh, Steve Brummer and I, we, we slid, this was in April. We slid down to Logan Martin, uh for a morning and that was actually pretty fun we just kind of threw a jerk bait and shaky heads around on like shallow gravel clay points and those uh those kusa river spots don't mess around when it comes to a jerk bait no they don't actually the uh, logan martin is my favorite spot on the kusa to go we've had like a school a school tournament there and then uh it's just kind of the place that i go to to like catch fish or actually i love throwing a jerk bait on that lake too it's my favorite favorite part of the kusa so just kind of learned it over about a year ago so definitely one of my favorite places to go and it's decently close to where we are too it's only like an hour out of the way compared to gunnersville which is like two and a half or something so sure yeah i don't know if it was just when i was there but like we were like and like when those things would hit on the shallow points it would just like like it would just completely rip back together you know like up here like bass just load up on a jerk bait or you might feel a tick or something but like there they would just yank it back the other way and i was like whoa this this makes jerkbait a lot more fun. Yeah, it was fun trying like starting to get used to like spot fishing because they're a lot meaner than like a lot of people say. Like you, I've heard a lot of people. All oh, spots are so mean. Spots are so mean. You're like, yeah, whatever. And then you actually hook up on like a good spot. You're like, oh my gosh, like you just, it's unbelievable. They tear up your jerkbait. They they actually got like sharper teeth than like anything I've ever seen before for not actually having teeth, but they freaking tear up everything. Sure. But it's a they're a lot of fun. Yeah, I think the Coosas more so than the Kentuckys, but yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're a fun fun fish. A lot of familiar faces in the chat. What's up, everybody? Good to see everybody doing well here. Sounds like the audio and video is good. We're rolling here. Um, yeah, I actually just got off the lake. I ran over to just a Marion. I had like two out. I don't know, maybe two and a half hours before uh, 
And I was like, man, like I went out and did some other stuff this week, and I was like, I just like we'll talk about it, but like I'm pretty sure LiveScope was a pretty big part of. <laughs> leech lake for you um and i actually spent a lot of time doing it but i was like i just need more reps on that thing and i so i went out at night and married and just kind of like literally got on the weed line and just started like looking for blobs and dots and things like moving on the you know trying to get better at you know picking out things what's 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 a big enough dot to throw at that's worth your while and things like that and i actually did catch a couple nice large wealth on a drop shot and then i caught my first ever chicken rig or chicken jig fish tonight i caught about a four pounder on the chicken jig Oh gosh! So, check, checked a few buckets. I don't know. I always see people throwing it. I never caught. I've caught a pike on it, but I've never caught a bass. And so, finally got a, a good one. So, yeah, I'm the same way. Um, I throw. I think I'm going to get a few good bites on like some rock to grass transitions. And I've snagged a bunch of pike in the bottom of the head and stuff like that. So I don't even know if that counts. But yeah, the one pike I had, I literally had him like wacky rigged, like he was like right in the stomach and like. But so it was good. Yeah. So other than that. Uh, Ralph looks like he renewed his membership. Awesome. Welcome back, Ralph. Um, I'm assuming, you know, Stewie here. I, I went to high school with him. Nice. Oh, my dogs. Hopefully my dogs aren't too loud up there. Uh, Aaron Leech Lake is, I guess, three and a half hours straight north of Minneapolis, pretty much north of Brainerd. If you know where that is kind of dead center, North Minnesota, it's a ways up there. All right. Banger checking in. Lots of lots of Brendan fans checking yeah, in. <laughs> so let's let's get so we kinda of talked about your history. Uh so are you a friend are you a sophomore at Montevallo? Uh, this or? is my this will be my junior year coming up. Okay, your junior year. Yep. All right, cool. Um so we'll we'll probably circle back on that. So you uh we had the state tournament, it was like last week. Had you had fished leech before yes. the state tournament? So you've been out uh, there before? Yep. We actually had uh, me and my dad fished the team trail. Didn't do so hot. The wind picked up. And mm -hmm. I, I can't say I've ever really fished leech lake when it's been that crazy of winds. But it mm -hmm. was just hard to keep your trolling motor in the water, kind of see what you're throwing at and, uh, you know, really fish a spot efficiently. So I'll all of our spots were getting wind blown and that was like the first time I kind of figured out what it took to catch bigger smallies on leech. And we had to catch them right away. And we just, we caught one big one in the morning. And after that, the wind just blew too hard for us to really do anything effectively. So kind of tucked around, moseyed around on the South end. It didn't really work out for us, but mm -hmm. yes, I have put a lot of time into leech this year. Right. Anyway, so you, you, you kind of put a fair amount of practice in for the team trail, yep. <clears throat> found some things and then, with the weather uh, of the state tournament, you were more effectively be able to to probe them uh, and, and kind of expand, I assume. Uh, did you did you use all three days of practice for the state tournament? Um, I actually used about two, two and a quarter. I actually okay. wasn't planning, like I was planning on doing it. I just didn't know. I decided to go up probably half a day earlier than I thought I was going to. And, I caught one, a big one right away, and I spent the rest of practice graphing. I think I graphed for like 11 hours or something, just trying to find this, trying to repeat the same thing that I caught or with the big one that I caught earlier. And I guess it worked out, found a lot of uh, effective uh, like things to fish, not just throwing at random, 
random areas kind of found the exact thing that I was looking for over and over and over again. So do you feel uh, like the thing that you were looking for at state was the same thing you were looking for at the team trail? Or did it shift in those weeks? Um, it was mostly the same thing, but during the team trail, they were a little bit shallower that I found. Um, so in the team trail, I think a lot of the stuff that I found was like seven to like 11 feet of water. And then the, mm -hmm. uh, TOC was more like 10 to 14, like 15 maybe, but they slid out just on the same type of stuff that I was looking for. So I kind of knew the areas that were good in the, or that held a lot of fish. So made it easier on me. Right. So were you like targeting, was it a, like a certain size boulders or I mean, like, or what, what, uh, was it pretty easy to scan and find it? Or do you like, or did you have to like scan it and then go back and look at it with your front facing or like, how, how did you like approach figuring out what was worth fishing and what wasn't worth? I started off trying to find like some transition stuff, like in the morning where they'd be like cruising, like chasing some bait or something. And I found a few, but they were harder to catch because they were so keyed in on all that bait that was out there. So you'd get in front of them, they'd kind of just see it and move out of the way, or they'd see it, nose in on it, and keep chasing their bait. So then I just tried to find some fish that weren't around as much bait. And that was like one of the things that I kind of figured out was where the fish were willing to bite right away. They're the ones that were, there wasn't a lot of bait next to the rock or the transition or the little mini like rock pile that no one else has found. So I was just kind of finding that unpressured area where there wasn't a lot of bait there. So they would eat mine instead of just the other bait. That was all the bait balls that were flying around. So how many, I guess, like what, how many areas or spots did you feel like you had coming into the tournament? One, but it was a, it was a pretty big area. Sure. Okay. So or you kind of had one area, area, but you had a lot of like, little sweet spots within right. the area uh, high okay. percentage points and this whole this giant flat and i've just idled the whole thing and found the high percentage stuff that i feel like a fish would be sitting on so you just like then in the i mean were you uh just fishing or did you wait till you saw fish like during the, i mean like were you like scoping everything and then waiting to see activity or were you actually like fishing the areas regardless of whether you saw something on front facing no, if I didn't, I tried and on the first day, I actually kind of nipped me in the butt a little bit on the first day was, oh, I caught, I caught one here before, I caught one here before, and I just tried to stick it out too long, and I wasn't seeing any, but I thought there might be one there, and it never worked out, so I wasted a lot of time casting at what I thought, or at least there, I thought there was a fish there, but there ended up being nothing there, so then after that, I just kind of scrapped it and just went and targeted fish that I could see in live scope. So you'd basically just go like high bypass or idle, sweet spot to sweet spot, scan it, wait till you saw something, yeah. and then that's, that's actually exactly how it worked out. Yeah, just pretty much the most efficient way that I felt like I could do it. I felt if like I tried to make it so where I I wasn't casting an empty space, like a whole like a big rock pile. I was trying to find the biggest rock on that rock pile, and then that's where I feel like they'd be congregated. So always like knowing that I'd be able to cast out a fish made it a lot more effective for me. A lot less yeah. worse cast, I should say. Just like every cast is a good cast. That was like, that was my goal was trying to hit the most sweet spots during the whole day. And I probably fished 30 to 40 of them in a single day. I just kind of rotated them until one is willing to bite. 
So what first day did you only had was it day one you only had four fish? Yep. Day one I only had four fish and I weighed in 17 pounds. I was around the right ones, just like I said earlier, I just casting at areas where I caught one in practice and I don't know if they vacated or they were off chasing bait or what, but hurt me a little bit. I thought I was going to come back to haunt me on the last day too. I was stressing. Sure. So did you like catch them early or all in a flurry or what, how did day one go down? Was it like one every two hours or what will kind of walk us through how your day one unrolled it? Yep. So I caught my first, I caught my first fish on day one at around nine 30. And for me, that was a long time in between. There's a long time in between bites. It's yeah. So like that's that. like over two hours of fishing right. runtime from, yeah. Right. Even after the first hour, I was like, oh my God, I'm panicking. I need to do something else. And then I kind of settled in. I was like, all right, I know it lives here. There's a big opportunity here to catch a big bag. And I finally settled down. Boom. Got my first one, about a three and a half pounder. And that kind of settled me in and told me that I was doing the right thing. But it wasn't until the sun came out. Like the sun was like my whole bite. It seemed like the whole the whole week. The clouds were out. They'd get off the, they'd get off whatever they were. They'd look up and start chasing bait, bait balls. The sun came out, the bait balls went to the surface or near the surface, and then they'd go back down to the rock. And I feel like they'd be eating more crayfish. So that's kind of what I, what I thought was happening anyways. And then after that, I think my second bite came at like 11 o'clock. So another hour and a half in between. And then and that was about a four pounder. And I caught them all do like throwing a drop shot. I was, you know, I was seeing them on live scope and I'd cast them. And that's if they weren't going to bite on the first one, two or third, like one, two or three casts, I'd move. Cause I just figured I'm not, I'm not going to waste any time on this fish. I'm going to try to find the ones that are willing to bite right now. And then I caught one actually right after that, at like 1130 and I was feeling really good momentum was there my call was hyped up for me and then uh kind of stuck it out too long on a this one part of the flat moved to a different part 230 i got my big one which is like a five and three quarter that i caught and then we had to go because i needed to make sure i made it back on time four fish and a late penalty does not set you up to win so yeah um the uh were you just drop shotting or Yep, that's what I caught every single fish on. I lost a few on a spy baits bait, or sticking with the same baits or like X zone hotshot minnow three and a quarter. Okay. And the perch color that was pretty much what did it for me. Nice. And it floats, so I could. I was actually tight lining my drop shot, so I'd, I'd hold it there and I'd try not to move it as much. And it seems like they'd bite it on the fall, or if I held it right in front of their face next to whatever they were sitting on, it seemed like. They just couldn't stand it and had to eat it almost. How what type of leader length and weight? Um, my weight, it was depending on the wind. So I had a three ace and a quarter and I use a quarter for most of the time just so I could fly it down there and get it to the rock or the transition rock pile, whatever. Wasn't wasting any time waiting for it to get down to the bottom. I used a three ace, three ace more when the wind kind of picked up on the second and third day or the first and third days, excuse me. Sure. What kind of, like how high were you floating your bait up? Probably 18 inches. Okay. My drop so was from steady. my... Nothing, yeah. nothing crazy high, nothing crazy short. Sure. Nope. I was using uh, a six-pound leader, though. I don't know if that really made a difference or not, but I just figured if something's going to... If they're looking at the bait for too long, I don't know. It was sunny, so I don't know if my line was throwing off a glare or something, so I just tried to use the thinnest line I could get away with. You said you were using six? Yeah. 
I think you could get away with six on drop shot, but I don't think like if you were throwing a net or anything like oh, that. No. It gets chewed up too fast, it seems like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I heard a lot of people uh having issues with that. That's I've never heard through. I've never heard that before. <laughs> Nice. We got a, a big Facebook contingent. There's like 40 people watching on Facebook tonight. That's a pretty large number. So welcome Facebook people. Let's see, we got a so uh, Ralph. Thanks for upgrading your membership. Awesome. Tyler says, "What's the main forage up by Leech?" There's definitely a fair amount of craws. You definitely see them swimming around up shallow. And I know, like at least the largemouth I was catching, they were spitting up craws. Did did your smallies spit up craws? Oh yeah, and, and the live wells when they got to the that's what they were spitting up a few like uh shiners and minnows but a lot yeah, of crops during the middle of the spot day tail right? shiners are a thing there um there was a lot of like little pin minnow type things uh, i don't know if the fish were really feeding on those or not but uh, there was a lot of those and then honestly i don't know if you thought i saw this but i feel like in certain sections i saw a lot of like what looked like yearling smallmouth oh really swimming around yeah I didn't, I didn't, I guess I didn't get a look at it that good. So I just kind of saw a bait ball or, you know, a single sure. channel at a service. I was like, all right, so now I'm kind of getting an idea of what they're eating around here. So, so how did, uh, how did your, your day one co-angler fare? Uh, my actually, I kind of felt bad, but because my day one and day two co's both zeroed, um, my day three co had a chance at two or three fish. We only brought in one smallmouth though. So, I mean, I kind of felt bad. Did they, but, did they have any on or? Yeah, I think a few of them did or got a few bites. My day three co caught a walleye, a pike, uh, broke one off under a dock later in the day. And then just like a three pound smallmouth. But day one and two was pretty tough for them. It's a tough gig. Um I know all the, the co's on my team on Twin City were like really hoping after practice, right? Like after practicing with us and realizing like, I mean, the weights look really good, but I think you would agree that it wasn't easy by any means. Like catching smallmouth was not easy. So as a co-angler, if, uh, I mean, it was pretty hard to catch them without front-facing sonar, honestly. Yes, that was, um, that was the big thing. like. I'm throwing at, I know what our fish and like, they're kind of just blind casting. Like I felt horrible, but. Yeah. So like most of my kills were like, just hoping they were going to get a boater that said they were going for largemouth. So. Yeah. I think my uh, first kill stepped on onto the boat and saw all spinning rods and just kind of knew what was going on right away. I saw that face on his or that uh, expression on his face. Like, dang. But yeah, I mean. It's, it's, it is really tough when I'm live scoping them and they're in the back behind me. I tried to tell them like, oh, okay, there's a rock here, here, and here. You'll feel it if, if you get near it, kind of just hold it there and tight line it. So I was at least trying to help them. It wasn't just, oh, you're on your own, but I know how it is. I've been a co-angler a few times and you just kind of live with it and do your best, especially when they're boaters fishing smallmouth. I think in a few years, there'll be more, you know, bigger pop. I mean, it's it's definitely a booming population, but I don't think it's like huge, huge. It's not right. like Malax where you can just like fan cast and expect to like right. catch them. Uh, Ryan checking in. I think sounds like he was your day two co. Yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. 
Yeah, hit the like button, guys, for uh, uh, to thank Brennan for coming on. Um, yeah, we, we'll have to have a maybe a two-year uh, membership party. That's a good idea, Daniel. Uh, uh, Marky Mark, congrats on your good finish, Mark. Way to have a big day three. Catching up on the, the chat here. Let's see here. Um... I guess Greg wants to know what would have your approach been without front facing sonar? Well, I mean, if you like it just went out right and you couldn't fish for largemouth, because that's probably what mm. would have happened if you if your yep. if your if your Garmin just or your front facing would have fell off the front, you probably just would have went straight to the reeds or rice. But uh, if you couldn't have done that, how would you have best attacked the smallmouth if you had to fish them? I tried to two D them up like the you see on like that all old Bassmaster videos like Cherokee just get over it with your film or to you mark a rock, drop on it and back off. Like you see the old videos of like Seth fighter doing that on the lack to this 2d. Mm -hmm. And that's probably what I would do, but I'm spoiled. So I, I have like mega 360. So I just, I at least know where the rock would be at, but if you absolutely had nothing, just 2d, that's probably what I did. Just get over it. till you see the rock drop on it and back off and see what happens. Yeah. Um, I heard a couple people tell me that they had better luck at least on day later in the tournament getting on top of the boulders and dropping on them the fish would react better than actually casting at them i don't know that's just i actually I got one right, like underneath my boat that i i went over a rock or i cast out a rock three times nothing bit and i was like oh well there's nothing on this one and then i got over with my trolling motor and i could see there one came up off the rock and i like, started falling the ball. i was like oh my god so i opened the bail let it drop and my line just kept going, like, oh, my God, he's got it. So I said, look, and it was like a four and a quarter or something. And I didn't do that the last, like, four days of tournament and practice. So I don't, I guess something happened on the third day where they were willing to bite. And I tried that on yeah, the first yeah, second day, too, like, getting over the top of them. They just seemed to kind of run away from it. Yeah. I want to say John Dwyer from Prior Lake fished with one of my co's on day two, Hunter. And he would like fish, fish, you know, cast at the boulder, cast at the boulder. And then he would go to the next one and Hunter would just be like, as they were going by. And they, like he said, he caught three of them doing that. Like he would work the fish, work the fish, work the fish. And then when they would go by it, he would just, you know, Hunter had enough wherewithal that he was like, you know, paying attention so that when you left, he left that fish that he could make a good pitch on it. And he caught three of them doing that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I just... I don't know. I don't know why they seem to be doing it on the third day, but the first and second day, that was not the case for me that I found. It feels like you had to be, you know, 60 to 80 feet away from them, long cast with a drop shot, and they'd, they'd bite or they wouldn't. That's how it was for me anyways, but it was, sure. was kind of weird. Um, the uh, So I honestly, so like I, I kind of covered my – like deep dive my leech experience last week. Um, and uh, I honestly spent the majority of like two plus days scanning and looking for big boulders and fishing them. And I don't know if I just wasn't in the right areas or didn't <clears throat> spend enough time on my scope or what, but like I completely just like did not find them. The only smallies that I found were actually shallow ones that I visibly saw with my eyes on like sand weed transitions. Um, one of them people kept running over and I couldn't fish it. And the other one I caught my only smallmouth on a top water the first morning. But so like, uh, and there was a lot of guys in my club, other clubs that spent a lot of time 
and devoted a lot of time and it didn't work out. So like, just want to like make, make sure people understand that it wasn't as easy maybe as Brendan makes it sound. <laughs> so. it, it really wasn't. I mean, I caught them early the second and third day, but I mean, after that, I still tried to upgrade and seems like as the day went on, just got a little bit tougher during the rest of the day, but I got mine, both my day two and day three bags pretty much right away in the morning by 10 o'clock both days. But I mean, that was the morning bite. So. Yeah, so day two, you said you got on them pretty quick. Yep. I had a limit and, you pretty had... and then just kind of upgraded two more times by 11 o'clock, I think. And then that was my day yeah. two. 19, day two? Yep. And then 20 on day three? Yep. Day three, I had just high high threes and low fours by 1030. Just That just happened to be what I ended up. Just got four or five nice ones right away in the morning. Um, I'm lucky I didn't have a little scrapper in there. But even with 20 pounds, I was still sweating it out at the tank. So but very fortunate to be able to catch five big ones right away because I knew at the end of the day I was probably going to get a little tough. Right on. Cool. So did you end up spending any time on largemouth at all during the tournament? No, I, I'm not the greatest largemouth guy, but I feel really comfortable fishing smallmouth. So that's kind of what I went out and tried to do. Especially on leech, I've tried fishing for a large month and just never seems to go my way. And catch fish, just no tournament fish, nothing that I would want to weigh in. But I do know there are a lot of guys that love, they prefer to fish large mouth wherever they go, especially on leech, because leech there's actually a large mouth. Second place was large mouth. So yeah, I want to say second was large mouth. There was, I mean, at least half the top six was largemouth. Right, or at least had like a mixed bag or something. Yeah, because uh, Lesbeck had all largemouth. Uh, Justin had all largemouth. Connor obviously was all smallmouth or mostly smallmouth. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah. Caught a lot of walleye fishing for those smallmouth. I did. I caught a few small ones, but nothing. Daniel had a good tournament. Congrats. Let's see here. Let's see, a couple more questions here. <clears throat> I guess Benedetto. So, did you get the new uh, Arsenal swim jig? Is that what you're talking about? Um, Little Rich says, "Whatever you do, make sure you put on side two of Led Zeppelin 4. You probably don't get that reference. <clears throat> I'm pretty um, young. Should co-anglers be able to bring their own electronics? What would, what, what would your reaction or what would you thought if one, like, let's say your day two co shows up with an ice live scope, scope unit? There actually was. I don't know who it was, but someone had one at the TOC. I saw it. I mean, I'm kind of laid back. I would have allowed it. I'd have been, it'd be really weird, but I would have allowed it. That's just how I am. Yeah, I think as long as they're scoping, I guess, from the dash back, right? right. Then I guess that would be okay, right? Like, yeah, they'll be like, all right, that. I'm going to like, I'm up looking up here. Like, so if you're scoping like the back 180, I'm probably not like painting, you know what I mean? Like then, you, you right. know, you're not really interfering, right? And you're not crossing beams. And um, so at that point, I guess that's probably fine. <clears throat> it would be goofy though. Like, I don't know how long in that like whole unit takes like pack up, like when you need to run to a different spot or 
holding on to it even during the run. I, that's like one thing that I was thinking about when I yeah, that would be the one thing I'd be like, that'd be the other ground rule. Be like, all right, like I'm gonna tell you, like I'll give you a minute warning of like when we're right. gonna leave, and that thing better be packed up, otherwise we're gonna have like issues. <laughs> right. No, so. that's exactly how I'd be too. Uh, let's see here. Frank wants to know, uh, do either of you like wobbleheads from the boat? Do you fish the wobblehead much? Not really. I know people that do. I just, one, I don't know how, and two, I don't own any, so I can't say I do or have. I've done it some, and it hasn't been the greatest hookup. What I prefer to do is actually take a Tokyo rig. I have done that. Especially the, the same way where you put like a bigger weight on a Tokyo rig and then drag that like a biffle head because i feel like just having that three inch drop your bait is up so like and when they eat it they get all bait whereas like a right. biffle head they get that football head in their mouth and they tend to like so I'm, i uh, i prefer to use a tokyo rig instead uh, in that same way um <clears throat> have you tried any of the lakes in longville area i fished boy a long time ago i've never been on woman some of the uh, guys in our club went to 10 mile. I don't know, Bob, you fishing those lakes up there? Um, I fished Stony and baby and those lakes are like super underrated. I actually went there. I went to Stony and baby back to back days for opener. I think we, me and my friend Oz just threw a hair jig all day. I think we had 21 and 22 pounds on Stony and baby. They're right in the Hackensack area. So. Right on. Well, so uh, you plan on just like winning every state from here on out, or like what's your plan going forward? Like, I mean, I'm gonna try. I've heard some rumors that next year it's gonna be on Vermilion, so kind of excited for that. That's my Anytime understanding. I get small mouth, I feel right at home. So, yeah, I think most of the lakes up there are pretty good, to be honest. Um, All right. Brandon wants to know, do you ever miss with any bigger baits like glides, crank downs, swim baits, any of that kind of stuff? I've tried for smallmouth. I just, I'm not good with glides or big crank baits, weight baits, not, nothing like that. Yeah, I've got a few fish. You'd be proud, Brendan. I caught uh, a four pounder on a three quarter ounce chicken jig, which like. You did? It's probably. Yeah, tonight. Like, so I mean, a, a chicken jig's probably eight inches long when it's all. And it's like, right. I mean, it's a it's a big profile in the water for sure. Uh, I have not heard anything from the tournament director uh, at the TOC. We probably they probably need to like come up with a stance on it. Um, there you go. Here's some homework for you. Led Zeppelin four side one. Fast times at Ridgemont High. You gotta do some YouTubing, so you take can. I need to take a picture of that so I remember it. I got it. What's a good starter area to try to figure out the smallies on leech? Um, I mean, where, I guess, 
this is not a secret. Where they originated and first took off in the lake is in the south, south central southeast corner, right? Like uh, Pipe and that down, the area down by Pipe Island, right? I mean that's where they originally took off. I think so, yeah. So <clears throat> they've they've kind of. Uh, I mean, people are catching them in Walker. People are catching them in Sucker. People are catching them in um, Portage. I caught mine in Boy Bay. Um, so they're they're kind of everywhere. But I think the highest concentration is still down in the south central part of the lake. But the problem is, and Brennan will probably tell you this, or Brennan, sorry, is that uh, there's so much structure that looks really good, but they're not on all of it. Like, oh my gosh, I got all this cool rock and it just never stops ever. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. It's it's almost overwhelming. Yeah. Um so um and you can spend literally days scanning and fishing what looks to be amazing smallmouth habitat and you may or may not run across them. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tough. That's what I kinda of, what I graphing around like oh this spell looks good this spell looks good and then like oh well got onto this and now all this stuff looks way better than the other stuff so just finding the or the key areas or the high percentage places was a big thing for me yeah right on. all right we're gonna take like a quick 30 cent break 30 second break and then we're gonna come back and talk about your college stuff a little more Sweet. Are you ready to reel in your next home purchase or refinance? Supreme Lending's Dream Team can help guide you through the entire mortgage process from pre-qualification to closing. We have a wide variety of home loan programs in our tackle box, including down payment assistance and first-time homebuyer options. You can ask Hellebass. He trusted us to help finance his home. Contact the Dream Team today by searching Supreme Lending Dream Team or click the link below in the description or scan the QR code on your screen. All right, we're back. Got to pay the bills around here. <laughs> so yeah, like I mentioned, if you guys are uh, looking at getting something, Give my guy Aaron a call, the Dream Team. Give him a shot. It's always good to support companies that support the fishing people. Tad uh, says it took him two years to catch a smallie out there, and he was finally able to catch. And shout out. I think we talked about this last. Uh, Tad had the big one of the tournament, a 6.6-pound smallmouth. Did you see that thing? He brought it out of his live one. I was standing on the dock waiting for a bag, and like I was like, oh, my God, that thing isn't like – it wasn't like – didn't have a giant forehead, a big belly. The whole thing was just big. It was long, and it was just, it was thick everywhere. So it was pretty crazy. Yeah, actually, in 2008, the last time they had the state tournament there, and I think I took third or fourth at Leech. I think I had, like, 17 pounds a day for largemouth <laughs> back then. But, like, I had 17 pounds the first day, like, and it was, like, there wasn't any wind the first day. And leech just went off. Like, I think I was in like after the first day, I had 17 pounds, and I want to say I was in like 30th. Like, 
literally everybody that like wet a line had 15 pounds like just literally it was just one of those days where the lake just went crazy and like 21 pounds was leading it on largemouth and uh uh it was crazy and but then the next day the wind blew and the bike got tough and i caught another 16 or 17 pounds and that moved me all the way to like third place or fourth place it was like the bike completely changed um the guy that had like 21 pounds like barely held on to like the 10th place spot uh, the last guy in or something like that or 12th place or something um but uh i actually in practice hot like a two pound smallie on a dock down south of horseshoe back then like on a sand dock and i was like that's cool what? like i've heard about these unicorns like so i mean that was like <clears throat> 15 years ago um and then three years ago the tbf had their state tournament in july up there and michael and i went out on like a whatever wednesday night or something like like our first night we got up there after work we went out for like three or four hours and i tried to fish around like pelican and all that stuff like out in front of and pipe and all the super obvious stuff just but like fishing this was before like uh i didn't have front facing and most people at that time three years ago honestly didn't have it um and uh never had a bite i mean maybe like a rock bass or a perch but never like i never saw one never felt like i had one on never felt like oh my gosh i think that was a bass bite and i was like and in that tournament i fished the docks in horseshoe bay and i caught like a two and a half pound smallie inside that little cut but i couldn't use it like it wasn't in the tournament but like those are the only two smallies i've ever caught up until <clears throat> this year and uh in practice i think i caught three keeper smallmouth and the biggest one was like two pounds so it was like pretty frustrating but anyways so college montevello so this is your third year like what, what what's you got goals you got plans like do you like I, i'm not even like super familiar with like how the college structure works these days like do you gonna fish a certain amount of like college opens or regions to get to like what what's what's the what's the plan colleges like tournaments in college are crazy like hundred boat tournament out here is like oh my gosh look at all these boats there's like we fish in tournaments that are like 250 boats every single tournament and it's it's super overwhelming and it kind of like it kind of gets in your head a little bit but um so like in the fall when school starts up right away there there isn't a lot of those bigger tournaments so it's a lot of the school run tournaments so there's you know 30 40 50 60 boats and you're fishing on still like the bigger lakes and the lakes around the colleges and stuff and uh, so those smaller tournaments are worth a hundred points each and they take your top placing boats for however many boats your school sends to that tournament. And then, uh, the bigger tournaments, they're worth a thousand or 2000, maybe it's, or sorry, double points. So they'll take your top one or two or three, uh, top placing boats for that tournament. And there's MLF and uh, bass. So the bigger tournaments start in the spring, usually in January, we're in Florida. Uh, the last two years we've been in, at Harris chain and then you'll start moving farther and farther west as the water warms up so they'll try to like chase the spawn kind of as a kind of like the elite series where it starts in florida and kind of works its way up mm -hmm. or it's like i don't know arkansas or stuff like that but for us it seems like they always put us on lakes when it is not on fire and it kind of seems like they do that on purpose to us so, but i mean you make do with what you got so but it's insane how many boats are out there seems like there's a boat on every single spot so and nothing is kept a secret out there just because of all the college kids are insanely good it seems like nowadays and 
250 boats it seems like no matter how big the lake is they always find a way to no matter how bad it's fishing they always they always catch them and there's always a boat on every single spot so it is it is really tough so is it like just a points thing to make the nationals or is it points to get to a regional like how like how do you i mean obviously the goal is to get to the national championship and right and, but so like what is it just a points thing you have to fish so many tournaments get so many points or like how do you make the nationals so for for you and your partner to fish like the national championship for bass or mlf you have to qualify for one of the or you have to qualify through one of their four three or four qualifying events during the spring so uh you'll have to be in the top 10 or 12 percent depending on what, what tournament it is how many boats there is so you're looking to be in the top 25 for every single tournament to qualify and then as more and more tournaments are fished it's there's obviously like double qualifiers so Easton, Father Gale, and Nick Dumkey, they're they were ranked number one for uh college teams this year and they fished for Montevelle. Uh unbelievable guys, super nice, and they're insanely good. I think they qualified at every single one of them, but they're mm. double qualifiers. So they'll kind of just work their way down the list of people who haven't qualified yet. But yeah, to qualify individually, you need to be in the top ten or twelve percent for each tournament. And then the points yeah. thing goes for goes for your school. So you start to rack up like school of the year points. That's like what they're called. And then at the end of the year, you fish the national championship and that one's worth triple points. So you'll, uh, they'll take your top three placing boats. Actually the one on Pickwick starts tomorrow. I, me and my partner didn't make it last year. That's why I'm not there, but, um, so good luck to all those guys, rack them up, sack them up. But, uh, it's, it's unbelievable how tough the competition is. And then at the end of the year, um, they'll add up all the school of the year points and that's where you'll get your national championship for your whole school. And we've actually done that for the last three years in a row now. So pretty, pretty amazing. So you just have to finish in that top 10% in one tournament to go to the nationals. Right. That's right. Yeah. So have you made the national championship yet in your first two years? Uh, we've gotten, I actually blew it for me and my partner last year. So we were at the Harris chain, got onto a really good bite in late January or whenever it was. And we get to our first spot and everything's going good. I catch a six and a half pounder as my PB up right now, catch a few more small ones. And then we're like, all right, this is going good. We got in our first spot, go to take off. And my motor starts beeping at me. I'm like, God, what is going on? Try to take off again. Same thing. So I went into my Merc, went into guardian mode on me because it was low on oil. And that was my fault for not checking it, but we were, uh, we, we're on some good fishing practice and I still to this day, I feel horrible about it. Kind of got some PTSD going through my head, but you live and you learn, but that was like our closest we've ever come. But otherwise we've just been, been like middle of the pack. So like if you didn't have to idle the rest of the day, you feel like you could have bounced around and caught enough fish to like. Oh yeah. We were like one of the last, last boats to take off. So we would have had a really long day, but we kind of just idled. And then some of our teammates came up and picked our, picked up our fish. And we had like, I don't know, 14 and a half pounds at like, I don't even know, 10 o'clock or something. And that's when things went not so good. Yeah, that was a tough pill to swallow. Like the one time we finally get onto it, it's something's got to happen. And of course it was my fault too. So, but now I carry oil with me wherever I go. So tough lesson to learn. Always carry, I actually feel like weird oil. now that I have a four stroke, it's weird not having oil all the time. Right. It's like I hear people talking about oil, and I'm like, "Wait, I, I haven't put, I haven't checked. Oh, wait, I don't, I don't have to. Like, it's weird." 
Yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. insane. Just having to add gas and go now, so it's pretty nice. Except for the uh, $400 oil changes every 100 hours. Which... Right. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, all right. So what which tournaments on the college schedule are you most looking forward to this year? They actually haven't announced them yet. I don't think they announced okay. uh, big ones in the spring until like October maybe. But uh, there's one more chance to qualify for the MLF National Championship on Hartwell. And uh, they announced that we're going back to Lake Toho. That's where it was last year for college MLF. Hmm. So the National Championship will be held there January 9th, 10th, and 11th. Uh, I think, think Hartwell is in like October, maybe September, something like that. So that's the last chance to qualify for this upcoming one. And then after that, it restarts and you're qualifying for next year's one again. So that's a good question. I guess we're going to talk about what, what, what are you running for a boat? I'm running a Phoenix 920 Elite for a four stroke Merc. Awesome boat. I absolutely love it. No complaints. Nice. Besides me, what's that? Where'd you get that? Um, I got it from an NPFL guy. Two years okay. ago, I got it from Jeff Dobson in Oklahoma. Nice. So you have a wrap, right? Yep. Yeah. So when I I saw you like in registration, and I was like, I thought it was just Northwoods fishing, and I was oh like, Oh my gosh, the amount of times I get that is unbelievable, unbelievable. And I was like, it's that is the most generic. I was like, that is the most generic, dumb. <laughs> yeah. That, that's exactly how it is. Like Northwoods fishing. Like what do you like? What does that even mean? I, had to go and explain to him that's North was finishing. So it's actually my parents' company that they own. And I'm pretty blessed in the situation that I'm in for them um, supporting me in every way they can. And, you know, letting me go to all these tournaments. And uh, that's like North was finishing is like, that's my saving grace right now. It's they allow me to do all the things I get to do, all the rods tackle and the boat that I have, I owe it all to them. So. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> I think we, I did notice after you like turned broadside and I reread right. it, I could yeah. tell, but, um, that first I was like, I'm going to show it here. Yeah. It seems like, uh, seems like every tournament I go to Northwoods fishing, is that like your old high school team or something? Or is that a little like Thursday nighter you're in? I had to explain everybody or to everybody, but I just explained to all of you guys. So yeah, it's really it's easy to mess that up too. That's the worst part. So if you see this coming down the lake, that's that's Brennan. Yep. It, when you see it now, it's like a little more obvious. But like, I guess when it's just moving or like being pulled, I think you just your mind wants to see fishing because you see that you know that word right. so often. I think is what it is. Nope, that's that's definitely it. Seeing a boat, and you're like, oh, fishing. North is fishing. Kind of clicks in your head. You don't even realize that it's finishing. So. It's kind of funny explaining it to everybody, but it gives me a chance to, you know, explain what the company is. So, so what? What is uh? I guess did you mention what Northwoods Finishing does? Oh, sorry. So they're a finishing company, obviously, and they do uh, cabinets. Uh, they actually do residential painting, uh, so sanding cabinets, uh, finishing them, staining them, all of that. It's kind of like your kitchen cabinets. They can do all that for you. Outside residential painting. Um, and my parents actually own the Princeton golf course here in town too. So that's pretty sweet. So like the kind of service, like the north of the cities area up there? Or? 
even even like south of the cities they do jobs all over it's pretty awesome yeah ryan rode along with you for eight hours and he still thought it said fishing on the side of it yeah for some reason it sounds familiar like him asking about that i feel like he's like north is fishing like it sounds so familiar i think we talked about it at the dock that morning or something maybe you need to change the color of the n so the right, n right. stands out so <laughs> I mean, everything just kind of scrunches together at that point. There's so many eyes and ends, and so. Very cool. Yeah, fishermen can't read good in general, so. So you're heading back to. So what are you studying at Montevello? Um, besides bassin. Yeah. Right. Um, Badgering and marketing, pretty basic stuff, but I'm starting to get into some accounting stuff too, which is hard, but. It's a really, I think it's a pretty necessary skill to make a really good living. So starting to dabble in sure. the market or some, excuse me, uh, accounting stuff. So that should be pretty fun. So what, what is your, I mean, being that you're a junior now, like, do you, uh, do you intend to get a job and, and have a normal career? Do you plan to like chase fishing as a career? Like what, what do you think is your, what do you want to do? I don't know. I feel like if you're trying to chase fishing, I don't think there is a normal job, really. I think you kind of, you know, sacrifice a few things or you take one career path or the other. So I'm going to try to pursue fishing. Um, I know it's going to be pretty tough, but um, try to get a job in the industry that allows me to still fish at the same time. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. But really, I haven't really figured anything major out as of right now. But that's my like my one big goal this year is to kind of figure out after college what I'm going to do. Like fresh out of college, what are what are my goals? Who do I want to be working for? What do I want to be doing? I know it's pretty nice. basic, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I mean, that's definitely a thing that like, if you really want to like pursue fishing, you gotta like pursue fishing, or like you right. have to like. I don't know if avoid a career or like choose your career carefully. That. Um, yeah, you almost need to be flexible or self-employed to some right. degree to really give yourself the best shot if that's really what you want to do. Um, going and taking a job with two weeks of vacation and starting a family right away is not the best path to professional fishing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that'll benefit you much. Or I don't think your fishing career will last very long, but yeah, you know, whatever. Whatever works. So what's your, what you so said, what's your, uh, you said Gunnersville, your favorite lake down yeah. by school. Yep. There's no, is there like are there any like little sneak hole lakes that are not like big lakes that you like to fish down there? Or? I don't know. I haven't really branched out much, but you know, in, in like in Minnesota, we're really lucky because we have what is it, eleven thousand four hundred and eighty-three lakes or something. So, and every lake seems to be like above average. So, like down there, there's only like you know four or five major lakes. So everyone is the same amount of people are pushed out of the you know four or five major lakes. So it seems like there's only a few places to fish but usually the lakes are pretty good down there you're up here you can fish these small lakes and it seems like you can catch 15 to like 18 pounds on largemouth wherever you go it seems like but it's definitely a learning curve down there because everything is a river pretty much where you got dams on both ends and the water fluctuates every night sometimes even so or based on the year so in the winter they draw them down and then in the summer they fill them back up so but just yeah pretty much the biggest thing is just not as many lakes because honestly, where I live is not like a great density of lakes for a place that's called Lakeville. Um, mm. Like, 
But I would bet, like, where you live, you could probably, what, draw a 10-mile circle around your house, and there would probably be 10 lakes. Yeah. I live, like, three minutes down from, like, actually a, a really good lake, and then I there's actually a lake right across the road from me, and then there's one another one just down the road from me, and then one right, right before town. So it seems like there's lakes everywhere, and they're all good. So Is, is knife any good anymore? <laughs> I actually have a, like – the best i i know for a fact i have the best spot on that lake like i found it on accident i sat down to go like frog some area and you're talking about the one in mora right mm-hmm. yeah that lake is like it's super tough but like i sat down to go to a frogging spot and i caught on side scan like this giant giant like set of trees underwater and mm-hmm. me and my friend fish it and like there's like a hundred a hundred bass on it and we just racked them up and saw it completely by accident but that is easily the best place on the lake it's a little little secret sneak all that i found and fished one time but you're just waiting for a tournament to show up on but, but it's out there so i'm just kind of waiting for some for our uh, loon state to get out there and oh man it's gonna be crazy if you do oh you don't want to waste it on a club tournament you want to like uh somebody to have like a five thousand dollar money tournament out there oh, <laughs> I don't even know, like, I don't even know how big the lake really is, but if there was a chance that a decent sized tournament could be out there, I know where I would fish the whole tournament. So I feel like it's gotta be. I mean, I, I know it's deep. not a super small lake. Like it's, it's a pretty I mean, decent like size. Probably lake. from the North end of the dam, at least an eight minute run. Like it's gotta mm-hmm. be six, seven, eight miles long. Yeah. Probably. Now, is it like super, super like fishable, all of it? No, but like you could easily have like a, 20 30 boat tournament oh, yeah. out there for sure there's actually smallmouth out there too so nice greg uh he lives up like princeton zimmerman area so yeah actually so uh <clears throat> i went and watched the tuesday nighters last night because i had to get my sd cards from sobe i uh, went to the weigh-in and uh, there was a couple smallmouth weighed in cannon lake so we were uh, curious whether they actually existed there, but the, there was a couple of weighed in. So, <clears throat> the, I think I heard about smallmouth and knife, but I don't know that you're going to. I mean, it would make sense. It's a, what is the river that runs through knife? Oh, I have no idea. I could not tell you. I couldn't even guess it if I wanted to. I guess it doesn't surprise me the amount of rock and hard bottom that's right. in. Yeah, I think I've I've actually heard of people like frogging, like frogging them up. It's kind of kind of goofy, and like the nastiest, like not even thick grass, just like kind of empty grass or just like the grass is brown, black. It's got like that moss all over the weird moss, and people catch them on you know a spook or a popper or a frog. Even it's kind of kind of kind of weird. I've definitely caught Mississippi River smallmouth tend to eat a frog yeah that's like one yes, of the only places i've ever heard of that happening so yeah they're usually good ones though when you catch them on a, a right. frog smallmouth like but random unicorns that are just there yeah cannon has got big ones in but doesn't have a ton of fish ryan but uh can be good Where's that like that? It's down by Fairbolt. Okay. Part of the Cannon River system. So it goes all the way 
I guess I don't know how far the Cannon River system goes, but like Sakata and uh, there's like a whole chain of lakes through Fairbolt that go all the way to the Mississippi River. That's all the Cannon River. So hmm. that's kind of cool. All right. Ralph wants to know what's your best advice for someone who wants to start off with local tournaments. I'll let you go first since you're. You've started in local tournaments more recently than I have. I just like what I did. I just joined a, a club and, and fish a cull. I think that's the easiest where you just bring rods, whatever you want to fish with for the day. You meet new people and they know people. So you kind of just meet a bunch of people through that. And then eventually you can be a boater if you have a boat or, you know, work your way to a state championship. That's pretty much the way I got started in the competitive bass fishing. Well, besides high school, but that's a little different. But yeah, definitely, I, I definitely agree. Join a club. Find yourself a Bass Nation or a TBF club, uh, it, especially Ralph, because you're moving, so you're you're going to a brand new place. <clears throat> you know, you get to meet a variety of people. You get to hop in a variety of people's different boats. You're going to learn a, a ton. Um, so that that'd be my advice, for sure. And it's a pretty easy common bond fishing. Um, All right. It seems like the popular consensus in the chat is the Knife River that forms Knife Lake. Yep. Okay. Yeah, Chautauqua, Sakata. Yeah, those are all the lakes that go down there. But so uh, I don't know what else. We got a little over an hour. I don't know. I don't have a lot on my agenda. Um, I should probably. You got a nice looking T-shirt, by the way. I don't know if people Appreciate noticed it. your nice. I guess stand up a little bit so people can see your t-shirt running. <clears throat> yeah. Little Omni love. Is that where you got all your uh, your uh, power team lures drop shot baits was from Omnia? That's like that's where I get all my stuff. I pick it up, just run down to Golden Valley and pick it up. I think it's the easiest. So I remember first buying stuff there four or five years ago, maybe three, three, four years ago. And it might only be like three years, yeah. Right, exactly. And uh no, they had stuff. Just everything was based around like Minnesota. So now they have. Seems like they have just as much as like back a warehouse, and it's local for me. So decently local for me, anyway. So but you I, get, I mean, like you, you drive down and pick it up, even though it would be there the next day at your house. Probably. Usually, it takes like two days to get to my house, and it's there like at like okay. ten a.m. in the morning. But like for a tournament, just drive drive down forty five minutes and go pick it up the night before. So and they have it ready really quick. I actually picked a big order up there today. So, yeah. If I order before like noon, it usually is at my house the next day. That's awesome. But I also, my office is only like 10 minutes away. So sometimes I'll like be at work and I'll just go over and get it at lunch or like mm -hmm. the past couple, like on the way to Leech on Friday, I ordered and then just picked it up on the way out of town. Like even in college, that's where I get all my stuff from. And I try to, limited to one order uh, a month and I just use your code. That's pretty much what I do. So OMHP 23 August AUG. Did you figure out the code to yeah. crack the, the algorithm so you know what it is every month? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty complicated. Um, yep. Pretty frequent user and it seems to be the easiest for anyone in minnesota that i've that i know of anyways have you uh 
So Nick says I get my stuff next day all the way to Crosby. So you just got you're not order you got to get up before noon right. and submit you your order, order and it'll like be there the next day. Yeah, I know they're like o'clock. ordered before one. It's shipped and it's you know it ships right away. Yeah. Ships the same day, yeah. but I know that's my problem. I just ordered at like you know five o'clock. So um, have you have you convinced any of the uh, the other kids not from Minnesota on the Montebello team to jump on the Omnia bandwagon? I have actually. You know, it's funny you ask. I, I really have, because like uh, I told them to use your code too and everything. They're like, "Oh, I get fifty percent." Some of them have made accounts, so they're getting money back and everything, and sure. they love it. I actually just bought a reel with all the like, extra money that I saved up, so it's pretty sweet, pretty neat program, very underrated. Nice. People realize, like, I don't, I yeah. I mean, Taco Warehouse is fine. They got a lot of great stuff. They, right. they're, they're definitely a pioneer, but like you realize that like you can get stuff way faster. And so way faster, like. I would say if you don't have forward facing sonar, I think you'd be better off going to some of those other lakes, like uh, baby boy, uh, those even even woman some of those lakes you're gonna probably be better off just generally fishing leech you could stumble on them and have a banner day especially when, like if you're not going when a tournament hasn't been there in a couple weeks but um just the amount be of time you need to put into that lake it seems like if you're just up yeah. there for a weekend or something or a day it's massive too it's a hundred and twenty thousand acres especially if it's windy not yeah. far not fun yeah i would i would hit up 10 mile i mean there's a bunch of other lakes that uh if you got limited time and not live scope that i would consider for sure uh yeah and there's the other stuff around brainerd that is also good um i mean whitefish has a growing like growing smallmouth population there's there's probably other lakes up there that I don't even know about that uh, have a lot of smallmouth. They're probably little sneak holes that are probably just chocked full of them that are way easier. <clears throat> Patrick says, curious in your thoughts on Great Lakes finesse. I've, I haven't tried any of it. Have you tried any of that stuff? I always get ads on like Instagram and I, I, I know for sure I could probably catch a fish on. I just haven't really tried it. Not bashing them or anything, but it looks pretty decent. And I know, I know people that use them, so. Yeah, I just try to, like, sometimes at some point put a, a, a limit on the amount of tackle that I buy. Because yeah. I bought a whole bunch of stuff, max scent and drop shot hooks and other stuff and then end up throwing a frog all tournament so like <laughs> it's like i spent all that money dead set that i was going to figure out a way to catch smallmouth because i knew that was the way to win the tournament that's what my like ultimate goal was and then after like beating my head against the wall for two and a half days i ended up throwing a frog and you know not quite achieving my goal but uh so but that stuff happens yeah, it does. You win, you're, you lose a lot more than you win. That's for sure. I've gotten my butt handed to me on leash the last year and a half. And this is just one of the tournaments where everything went right, I guess. So one out of 30, we'll say that. 
Yeah. Cool. I don't know. What other questions do people have in the chat? Um, Aaron says, what is the Classic Bass Champions Tour? So it's a, a Minnesota tournament league. They do, what, three tournaments plus a championship? It's, yep. it's definitely the biggest money tournament circuit in Minnesota. I think you fish for, I think it's a grand to get in, but I think first place is 12 grand. It's 13 um, now, now this year for each event. 13. And if you make it, if you qualify for the top 25 for angler of the year, you get to fish in their no entry fee tournament, which you, you fish for a brand new Skeeter boat. So yeah. pretty, pretty insane. So, yeah. The only thing that's tough about, uh, how do you get into it? Uh, you just pay your entry fees and enter the, uh, I mean, they typically have a sign. I mean, there's like the people that I'm pretty sure they have a priority thing. Like if you finished in the top half of the field or made the championship, you get priority entry. And then anybody that fished last year gets in, but they, I don't know that they've filled filled. really fast. What's that? For the most part, it fills up really fast. Cause it's, it seems like the last few years has been a lot of the same guys, but there are a lot of new guys still. So. They've had quite a few new guys. I don't think they've filled. They've been close. I don't know that they like fill, fill. Like, I think like they cap it at 60 and they've been having like 54, 57. I mean, like they're close. Um, Yes. If you're from New York, you can fish it. You just have to commute, which would be a bit of a commute. Um, The only thing that's tough for me is with a regular job and uh defined pto their tournaments are typically on thursdays right and with being in every fish counts it's a little tricky to just roll in there on like a day and a half of practice and i think to consistently compete unlimited practice most people show up on friday afternoon or saturday and they practice saturday through wednesday and fish wednesday or fish thursday so it's almost a week long commitment for each one of those. If you're going to fish all those, it's that's your, if you are a person that has a a regular job, that's either the only thing you're going to fish or uh, so it's a little tricky, but if I had, uh, you know, more time, I definitely would be interested in it for sure. Um, My, let's see, Scott says my smallmouth PB, it's five something. I don't know. I've definitely never caught a six pounder. Um, a lot of my best smallies have come on Malax in tournaments where a five or a five and a half wasn't relevant for big fish. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if it's like 5.2, 5.3, 5. 5.6. I don't know. I didn't necessarily get a weight on some of those smallmouth, so it's it's somewhere between five and five and a half. I don't know. What about you, Brennan? Uh, six and a quarter, six and a quarter on leech, actually. When was that? Um, Earlier this year, uh, post-spawn stuff, caught her just a freak, absolute freak on a drop shot again. That was pretty crazy. Might have been Tad's got... fish. What's that? Oh, yeah. Might have been Tad's fish. It could have been. It was a, it was skinny, but, like, its face was, like, so blown up and so, like, abnormal is insane. Shoot. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Zimsk or ZimKS. Anybody throwing any goofy JDM tackle at these Minnesota Smallies? Watching Taku makes me want to try some stuff. 
Um, there's definitely guys. I know like punch fishing, he throws a bunch of that like depths and you know, I don't know, like for me it's hard to justify soft plastics JDM because they're so expensive and so soft that like, you're just like ripping through them like left and right. Um, I don't know. I don't mind like JDM, like, like jerk baits and some of that stuff and top waters and stuff and investing some of that. But I'm just not a big fan of like, I mean like OSP crankbaits are pretty good. Things like that. I don't own any of those, but like some of that stuff would experiment, but I'm not a big fan of like the, JDM soft baits. I don't know what your thoughts are. I want to try the OSP like cubes. I just want to have, I just don't have a pack of them to have them. I think they're kind of goofy. Speaking of things that are outrageously expensive, they're like stupid. They're like $16 for like a four pack of cubes or something. They come ridiculous. in a four pack. I've seen people sell trying to like trying to sell them on Facebook marketplace for like 25 bucks ship. And I'm just like, that's five bucks. That's like what five, six bucks. Uh, and you're like, I know a perch is just gonna eat it off my line. Oh my God, <laughs> it's gonna destroy it. It's gonna get destroyed. Uh, there's actually a guy uh, in our chat that made some for us. I actually have like a homemade pack. I, I threw them in the boat for leech, but I never actually like threw them. Um, That'd be hilarious. Uh, glad the stupid tube's working out for you, critical gravy. That's awesome. almost a seven on a hazadon i mean mega bass is fairly there's definitely people throwing like i mean if you if you consider mega bass jdm there's a lot of people using yeah. like the uh the okashira and the hazadong and the uh, what's yeah, their other swim bait or whatever yeah and what's the other swim bait not the hazadong the uh spark shad spark shad yeah i know a lot of people that throws or that throw those at, down at school some homemade cubes um i have never heard of fire on ice on malax nope sounds awesome hmm. river smallies on top water i don't have a ton of i mean i did lose a couple the other day the problem is sometimes they hit it so hard and they're so mad that it's just like they don't Sometimes I don't feel like they don't get the bait well. Um, things I have done, I do like to put a red hook on the front, on my front top water. Um, I feel like in some instances, uh, the uh, it gets them to hit the front hook. And if you get them to hit the front hook, there's more chance that you're going to get the second or third hook in the fish somewhere along the lines. I like uh, on the... the Sometimes the back hook I'll often put a double split ring on. Um, and then I typically throw braid with a really short mono leader. And then I think it's all about matching the action of your rod to that setup. And so, like, I'll throw a Vixen or a Spook or whatever. This one doesn't have, right? But, like, I'll typically this front hook will be a red hook for me. And sometimes I'll put a, a trailer on it. But you want super sharp hooks. A lot of times I'll double split ring this back one just so if they get it on the back one, you don't have, a, you know, the twist. Um, and then 
it's just for me, I like throwing braid and then I throw a fairly soft, like a three power Dobbins. And when they hit it, I just kind of pull into them. And typically with braid with a super short mono leader, it just locks them up. And then it's just like, don't horse them. Like the harder you pull on a current smallie fish, the more they're going to want to come up. So like once I get them like hooked and get them away from the rocks or the grass or whatever it is, then I just kind of ease up on them and let them kind of do their thing. That's my best advice. Um, I don't know if you have a bunch of river smallie experience. Nothing, nothing good anyways, but <laughs> usually they come on, they blow it out of the water and I'm sitting there wondering why my spook isn't in their mouth. So are they knocking the line gets caught in the treble hook? So. Nice. I don't know anything else we need to cover from your eight. No, any, any other secrets you want to divulge about your, uh, your win, any other upcoming events, anything we need to know. I got the team trail on Pacagama this, I actually leave in the morning to go start practice, but right. yeah. And then, I got one full day after that, and then I leave right away for college. So there you go. Yep. So what are you going to do? Are you in position to make the championship or not? Absolutely not. Pretty much okay, so swinging for the fence again. So. So if you, but if you win, right, oh. win, you make the championship. Right. For the team trail. And actually, Easton, yeah, Easton and his dad actually won the team trail event on Leech with like a little over twenty-three pounds. So that's pretty insane. So they're qualified for that. I think Easton is flying back for the tournament. The tournament is on Dead Lake. I don't. I can't remember the dates though. But yeah, from what I've heard, the lake is pretty pretty sweet. A, a decent amount of yeah. fish and some big ones too. I don't know if you've ever been out there, but not in many, many, many years. Oh really? No. So when I was like twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I'm 45 now. <laughs> they had uh, the state tournament was actually on Dead and Star. And it was a split field. Half the boats fished Dead one day and half the boats fished Star one day. And then they flip flopped. Um, kind of, that's kind of weird. When did they stop doing yeah, that? So the, or is that the only time they ever? That was like, a, as far as I know, that was a, it was like 90 something 94 95 91 like like early early to mid 90s this happened and i was pretty young at that time and like uh the, i don't know if it was the year of or the year before gopher had their club tournament up there and we were camping up there and i was up there with my dad helping him pre-fish but i wasn't in the club yet i was like 13 or 14 or 12 or something and there was a the little resort we stayed at i don't remember if this was dead or star that we were on to be honest which one it was we were staying on one of them and uh everybody took off in the morning and there was like this little like rowboat with oars that i could use that was tied up on the dock and i went out for a few hours and i beat like half the guys in the club <laughs> oh my god that's, that's, so awesome. that's like my, my dead dead and star uh memories so uh I feel like there might be some nepotism here. Come on. 
That's why I got I got all of uh, Brennan's moms and uncles and sisters and cousins watching. That's why I have so many people on Facebook tonight. Yep. Family, friends, high school friends, uh, some college kids. Am I only 44? I'll be 45 in November. It's hard to tell when you're this old. Uh, uh, AJ says Dead has plenty of fish, including good ones. I think it has a decent walleye population as well. So speaking of that, David, so we did a, a members-only live last night where I had kind of used technology and come up with some ways to do make uh, live fishing a little more interactive. Uh, so I haven't scheduled it, but tomorrow night, planning to go out with my buddy Pat, and we're going to do a little 1v1 live fishing on the boat tomorrow night. So... Watch for that to get, that'll be on Facebook, be on YouTube, but we're going to try to do a live fishing tomorrow night, 1v1. Should be pretty active. It's going to be a little different than what people have typically seen. Uh, so watch for that. I think it's going to be uh, pretty good. So, and we're going to mainly frog fish. So no front facing sonar, no, no, no drop shots. We're just going to see if we can have some fun and uh, bust on a couple. Um... How many people are at the in, in the Montevello program? Sixty to seventy, maybe. Wow! 75. Just kids on the fishing team. It's a really big team, and seems like everybody's a hammer. So, kind of an iron sharpens iron moment where you go out, you fish with anybody, and you learn something really, really neat or something really beneficial. So, the best of the best fishes at that school, in my opinion. So, really awesome nice. to fish with a bunch of different people. Especially around the whole uh, country too. People from California, Florida, uh, Pennsylvania, Arkansas, Texas. It's really it's awesome. Very cool. Yes, Mr. Bezik, Daniel. Uh, let's see. There was a question here I wanted to touch on here. Gus says, don't know if it's been asked, but what are some key features when scrapping for smallies when there's a ton of rock that all looks similar? Um, finding whatever that's different, whether it's one big rock set off the rock pile around the edge, that's the rock is way bigger than the other rocks, or there's a hard sand line on there where they go back and forth, or maybe where there uh, transitions into some grass or um, something along those lines, but seems like on leech there's a lot of those you know mega school bus boulders out there and that is pretty much the deal so that's what i try to look for is the biggest boulders i can possibly find and running as many of them as you possibly can in one day at any time did you ever see the fish on your side imaging um i did there's i have this special rock where i caught both my five pounders day one and two off of and they're sitting right up pretty above the rock like some bulbs in a christmas tree so that was pretty insane that was like the first time i ever grasped smallmouth which i never really thought i would usually they're so tight to whatever they're holding to <laughs> yes matt Borboom is on the montevello team nice He's how many old... kids from minnesota at montevello nine i want to say something nice. like that i mean it's like more than 10 percent 15 percent it was a so, good amount, and we all fish against each other in high school, so that's kind of a conversation starter. Or we all at least know who each other are, so. Very cool. So we're going to attempt the uh, the first. So we've done a members fishing live. We're going to try to attempt a full live, live public for uh, 
for everyone to watch tomorrow night. See if we can make it as cool as I hope it can. Hopefully the signal is good and it's not a disaster. But yeah, I don't know. I think we're we're about ninety minutes. I think we covered everything. Uh, if you guys came in late, there was some good nuggets on Smalley fishing on Leech Lake. If you want even more, I can tell you about all the struggles that I had. Uh, I got nothing on box this week, Brian. Um, so like, you can you can watch my replay from last week where I talked about my largemouth fishing and my practice in great detail. And if you came in late and you missed something, you can uh, catch the replay, rewind on Facebook or YouTube, or uh, search Hellabass on your favorite podcast app. That way, when you're out fishing or walking the dog or driving down to Montevello, you got something to listen right. to to keep you entertained. But uh, any any uh, final? Uh, you want people to follow you anywhere on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that? Or uh, yeah, so Facebook. Uh, I do a little bit of YouTube stuff every now and then. I'll start that back up for our school tournaments, kind of give everyone an inside look on what tournaments look like on different lakes down south. But everything is uh, at Beberg Fishing. So. Cool. Very cool. Nice and easy for everybody. Nice. All right. Uh, as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.